Are you ready? Are you I'm, ready, Matt? <clears throat> I am ready. Take it away. Hi, Mrs. F1. Hello, Mr. F1. How are you doing? Doing great on this 4th of July weekend. How are you? Happy birthday, America. <laughs> Happy birthday, America. It's been it's been the heck of a day for America motorsports, hasn't it? What a race. What a weekend. It has been a weekend. Let's just get right into the thick of it. A lot going on in Silverstone this weekend. Obviously, an iconic GP on the calendar. I mean, it is Great Britain's home race, and a ton of the drivers are British, so... I would say it's the second most historic race after Monaco, right? Yeah. That's probably safe to say. Yeah, I would say that's safe to say. Maybe it's one a, of the Italian ones like Imola or something. but Right. Yeah, it's. It, I would just say on the calendar, it's definitely one of the biggest races to look forward to on the calendar. And they said 400,000 this weekend, correct? Right. That's, that's a lot of people. And a huge amount of the teams are based out of Great Britain. We got Great McLaren, Aston Martin building a new facility right up the road from Silverstone. So... Silverstone, I'm still confused on that. I don't know what it is. Oh, whatever. I'm probably going to flip-flop back and forth, guys, during this episode, so please forgive me if I refer to it as Silverstone, and then two minutes later I refer to it as Silverstone. We're just rolling with it. Same thing. Speaking of punches, this isn't really going to roll into W Series, but we had a ton of different racing going on, all at Silverstone, all in the same weekend. We saw W Series kind of kick things off. This is the first time we've seen W Series in a while, right? Yeah, it's almost a month, I think. It's been a long time. Yeah, they've had quite a bit of a hiatus. Their last race, I believe, being in Barcelona. Yes, was that's the last correct. Time. So this is only their third race of the season for them. So still still the beginnings of things. I think it's the fourth because one weekend they had two races. Right, in so, Miami. But, but you're right, three different locations. Yeah. Yep. Technically on the website they call them rounds um, instead of like race weekends, which is interesting. So we could say like their third race, full race weekend for them. Again, Jamie Chadwick just dominating. She's just blasting past the rest of the pack. She won by 20 seconds. It's it's amazing the gap she's able to put between her and the rest of the women. And again, it just makes me think, like, why is this woman not an F2? Right. And there's no way. If she's not an F2 next year, it, that's just a, an incredible disappointment. She's killing everybody again and for the third different team for the third straight year. Yeah. She's up 50 points already three, three weekends in. It's very obvious she's ready for a new challenge. Yeah. Absolutely. It feels like she's outgrowing W Series or W Series is outgrowing her. And I think I'm hoping that after this season, I'm, I'm sure this will continue. I, I keep referring to her as like the Lewis Hamilton of W Series. Right. right. <laughs> but I think for the sake for her, for her career and for the sake of W Series as a sport, they need to promote her because it's going to turn into almost like the same thing with F1. We're seeing the same person winning every weekend. No one's going to want to watch if they already know what's going to happen. And at the very least, there are 30 seats in F3. Mm -hmm. So if they can't find her an F2 seat, which even I find hard to believe that there isn't one F2 seat available, there are guys that are on their third year in F2. I mean, th these guys need to graduate and move on, right? That That's a... It's a long time in one series. I can't see why they can't find an opening, at least in F3, but certainly in F2. Yeah, but congrats to her on winning her home Grand Prix. That's awesome, yeah. and mm -hmm. I know a dream of every driver to win their home Grand Prix, and she's done it several times now, so congrats to her on that win. Again, puts her even further ahead in the W Series 
championship. Um, and then we had Emma Kimmelainen coming in second and not far behind her, Abby Pulling. So just some great results. Abby, I think, is just doing phenomenal. She's 19 years old. Yeah, and she's, she's doing very well. Yeah, showing a lot of great promise and skill for that matter. Emma Kimmelainen in years is definitely way ahead of her when it comes to experience. But Abby was able to keep up with her quite well, which was impressive. Yeah, and the fact that a 19-year-old is second in the standings in the W Series is pretty impressive. Yeah, and a fellow um, great Brit. British Brit. (laughs) A fellow great Brit. United Kingdomer. Thank you. (laughs) You guys, we've had a long weekend. It's late in the evening right now, and I feel like I'm jumbling my words. Emika Malinen and Abby Poling did have a little bit of a kerfuffle they did on the last lap right toward the end abby pulling just was really pushing really hard trying to get that second place and i think in turn just tried a little too hard kind of took an inside i believe an inside line next to emma kimmelainen and just kind of they went they both went spinning yeah, the line wasn't there and abby knew it because she gave kimmelainen the spot back mm-hmm. after they drove down the road a little bit she sent kimmelainen spinning and uh you know kept driving and i think the team either her or the team knew that it, it was not a, right. a safe move, and she gave the spot back, and Kimmelainen ended up finishing second. Yeah, it definitely didn't help, but, you know, she still had a great race, that little bump at the end there, but they were able to recover. Abby did the right thing and gave Emma back the spot. Yeah, but if, obviously, you're going to try and push on the last lap. You know, you, that, that's your last chance to make a move. She's mm-hmm. Like you said, she's a kid, so she's going to take risks that maybe a more experienced driver like Emma wouldn't make, but... She had the wherewithal to know to to give that spot back because it was an illegal overtake. Yeah, great race overall. It was exciting to watch. Glad to see W Series back. One thing I want to point out, too, is you and me were looking on the TV to try and find W Series. And we knew it was being broadcasted, but we couldn't find it for the life of us. It was because ESPN had it, like, misproperly labeled on the schedule. Yeah, and... I guess F1 TV decided that the W Series is no longer going to be streamed live on their, which is, you know, kind of half the reason why we bought that package. Yeah. To be able to see F1, F2, F3, and W Series. Right. And they pulled the rug out, I guess, which is a little frustrating. Not really sure why that's so hard for them to do. But yeah, we had to find it on some obscure ESPN channel, you know, like the Ocho or whatever it was. <laughs> And uh, like you said, it was mislabeled. They, luckily, I was bored enough to just surf through channels until I could find it. It was kind of unbelievable. And it, I, I mean, I know mistakes happen, whatever. There's a lot of racing going on in one day at one track with a bunch of different series. But it's just ridiculous. And why is F1 TV not broadcasting it? Like, I don't know. I tweeted and complained. So let's see if they uh, <laughs> are brave enough to follow up with me. Yeah, it was a little ridiculous. I mean, they're all, you know, we're all here to advance motorsport in any way possible in W Series and F2 and F3 are all part of that. So I think it's kind of ridiculous that W Series 1 isn't on F1 TV and 2 just was improperly labeled on the television schedule. I don't know if anybody else had this issue. If you did, tweet at us, contact us on social media. We would love to know if you also saw the same thing, but... Yeah, I don't know. They kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, let's just hope they get it fixed for the French Grand Prix in a couple weeks. Yeah, let's hope. That is when we'll see W Series next time around. And again, I'm excited to watch it as long as I can find it. Let's jump to F2. Just overall really exciting stuff happening just all over the place when it came to qualifying and the F2 race. 
What were your thoughts? I mean, I know your thoughts on the race. I'm ecstatic. I mean, it doesn't get any more American than an American F2 driver winning his F2 race on 4th of July weekend in Great Britain in front of an pretty much entire British crowd. Happy birthday, America. (laughs) It's like he planned it. He knew this is my moment right here. He has been great at Silverstone since he started racing. And he did not disappoint this weekend. He, He nearly had a perfect weekend. Had he won the sprint race, which he didn't win, but a sprint race does a reverse grid. And since he qualified first, he had to start 10th. He still made up three spots in the sprint race, which is great. On the true race day, the feature race day, he fought off Teo Porcher and, and won in front of all the British crowd. And the Star Spangled Banner was playing, and it was fantastic. If you follow me on TikTok, on my F1 TikTok, um, I made this this like TikTok compilation video of Sargent like coming over the finish line, getting out of his car, and like being on the the podium and hearing the national anthem. And I had like the Captain America theme music behind it. It was perfect. I mean, this is the. I feel like when I edit this, I'm gonna put like you know the Star Spangled Banner playing yes. lightly behind as you talk about Logan's win. I feel as like it's, appro- should. it's yes. appropriate. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. An American flag should be waving somewhere. It was just a great ending to a 4th of July weekend and also just a great ending to his time at Silverstone. We know like you mentioned before he's done really well here before. He mm-hmm. he really loves this track. He won here in F3 in the past um, and I think he just loves this track and knows it so well like the back of his hand and that's how he's able just to dominate here like you said he's now third in the championship standings but i think he's kind of found his groove now and kind of come over that maybe hump yeah he he showed growing pains i mean he's a rookie right he was in f3 last year and and did well but these are these are different animals right the f2 cars are as close as you're getting to f1 without being in f1 he struggled at the at, you know out of the gate and it, that's understandable. The the two people ahead of him in the standings, they're in their third year of F two. Right. So they're they're seasoned. They know how these cars work. And he struggled in the first two races, but since then he's done very well. I think he's getting hot at the right time and the, the next closest rookie to him in the standings is thirty some points away. So a, as a young guy just learning the car to be this good this early is a promising sign. Absolutely. And I'm sure Williams is happy to have him in their reserves, you know, and if Latifi is out, is he considered? And I think he should be. Yeah, if he is definitely improving over as the season continues, I think it is definitely in the back of Williams' mind thinking, okay, who should we put in this seat if Latifi is in fact going to be replaced? It's just exciting as American fans to see a possible American that might be able to get into F1 sooner than later. And I think that's just exciting for us. I know like we cheer for Haas, but Haas can kind of be hard to cheer for every once in a while. Not every time. Yeah. Most of the time. Let's be real. So it's exciting to see not just possible American team, but also having an American driver. Do you think Haas would have any interest in Sargent? They they could, but uh, I mean, Kevin has been doing really well in a in a car that's not that great. If anything, I think Mick is on the hot seat. And I know he just scored points today, and we'll get into that later. But I, I just don't see... The Schumacher name is, may, might be enough for Mick to keep his seat. Mm-hmm. But on talent, is it worth it for Haas to consider an American driver for an American team who's young, who's showing promise in F2, you know? 
And I know people want to say the same thing about Colton in IndyCar, who's showing a ton of promise. Although McLaren kind of already has a, a hold on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be ecstatic to see an American in F1 and to be able to hear the Star Spangled Banner play at an <laughs> F1 race. Not that it's any worse at an F2 race, but it, it's been a while, right? I think Juan Pablo Montoya is the last American to win a race, and that was... A while ago. Nom. Whatever it was. <laughs> I don't know what it was. but It was not recent, that's for sure. It was not sure. recent. Yeah, and it's just exciting, and I think, too, like we've talked about in the past, the American market growing at this incredibly rapid exactly. pace. Having a American driver in your car might be beneficial to your team, not just from, like, a driver standpoint, obviously, if they perform well as a driver, but also coming from a business side of things. Right. Um, and it's not as if he's a pay driver either, right? You know, it, there could be teams considering wealthy Americans who just can sponsor the team. And that, that would be disappointing. But yeah, there'd still be, quote unquote, an American driver in F1. But this is a guy that can hold his, his weight. Mm-hmm. He's doing well in F2. He did well in F3, you know, as a rookie in third place so far. Let's see what he can do, you know, as the season goes along. But I would, I would think Williams is really considering their options, seeing as Latifi is just not really holding his weight. Yeah, and speaking of Williams, just overall Williams as their driver academy and driver associations and drivers kind of go, they've had a great weekend, and we'll get more into the F1 side of that. But Jamie Chadwick is signed with Williams, yep. and Logan Sargent signed with Williams. And the the winner of F3. Uh, I think his name is Zach O'Sullivan, is also a Williams reserve driver. Yeah. So they, they had a pretty dang good weekend. Like a clean sweep, basically. Yeah, exactly. Almost. Minus <laughs> F1, the, the most important one. But. Yeah, minus <laughs> F1. Um, But it's, it's promising. Like, we've talked in the past, Williams is obviously an iconic Formula One team for more reasons than I can think of or count on one hand. So it's exciting to see. I know the team has just been... Not great performance-wise in the F1 world for a while now, but it's exciting to see that they may have some promising right. um, drivers, drivers. Right, drivers coming up in the pipeline here and that we hopefully will see sooner than later. So if they're able to that, get that car developed and in the right place, it could be coming together at the right time and right place for them, which right. is awesome. That's the hope. And, and they've been better this year than they have in years before. Yeah. They're still not quite where they were, like you said, in the in the heydays. Mm-hmm. And hopefully with more wind tunnel time as they're finishing last right now, they, they can develop their car very well and find this kind of golden timing where they have a really good young driver and they're developing a really good car and they mm-hmm. can be competitive back to where they used to be. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Again, props, Logan Sargent. The end of that race was tough. Him and Porsche were really, really close. And there was a certain point where we were both like, oh, no, this he might lose this in the last lap or two. The, um, the people in the know in the F1 community will tell you that Teo Porsche is a future F1 driver. Right. He is a great driver. I, I didn't want to seem like I'm bagging on him because he's been in F2 for three years now, but he is a great driver. And, and like you said, the thing that gave me the most confidence in Logan was not only that he won the race, but that he fought off a guy who most people acknowledge as a future F1 driver. Absolutely. I, mean, I think that, has, that says a lot about Logan's talent. 
Yeah, and I think, too, he also was able to handle the stress of, like he said, he he hasn't had a great start to his season, but it's promising also to see that he's able to overcome those bad starts, not great race outcomes, and just wanting more out of himself. Step up to the plate and be like, I am going to improve as the season continues and able to deliver on that promise. Just being mentally tough, that's one of the, the biggest things in any for any athlete. Being mentally tough is one of the most important skills or traits you need to have. And I think that's what sums that up. You know, being mentally tough to say, okay, my first few races didn't go well. And to still turn it around as a rookie, still understanding the car, you know, struggling to understand the car and figuring things out. He was able to be mentally tough enough to forget and, you know, like Ted Lasso says, be a goldfish. (laughs) Forget the bad races. Just move on. And now here we are. He's in third place and looking up. God, I love a good Ted Lasso quote. Just just saying. Uh, quick before we just kind of wrap up our talk on F2, I want to bring this up. But Yuri Vips obviously lost his sponsorship with Red Bull, but is still racing with the high-tech Grand Prix team. They have made it very clear they do not plan on getting rid of Yuri Vips, um, that they believe in second chances. And especially with young men like himself, they believe he can take this experience and this mistake and learn from it and grow and become a better driver and a better person and role model. So um, he finished in sixth, so not bad. He's obviously had a lot on his mind the past couple of weeks, days. Like we said in our last podcast, we hope he learns from this and becomes a better person and a better role model. And like we said, can't forget that these guys in F2, they're kids. I'm happy to see he's kind of, you know, still in the game, still in the fight. And I hope we see him just that he'll just grow from this experience and be better basically he's a great driver and i I don't think there's any qualms about that hopefully like you said he's given a second chance with high tech he can turn things around you know and maybe another team next year will be willing to take a chance on him if they see he matures but there is no doubt that he's good enough to be where he is and i hope that somebody i hope that he learns this year and becomes a better person and maybe somebody next year can take a chance on him and give him another shot. Yeah, I hope so too. Holy schmucks. I feel like that's all I can say about the F1 race because that was the most action I've seen in an F1 race in a long, long time. It was wild. You couldn't step away for a couple of seconds usually you know things start getting in the groove you're on lap 20 or 15 things start to calm down people start to settle in and you're like okay i can run and grab a snack or something and i come back and i won't miss anything you literally could not get up for 30 seconds or you would miss something huge before the first turn uh, we saw an awful crash yeah 10 seconds into the race yeah and first of all just to say right off the bat we're so happy to hear that guan yuzhou is okay that was a scary one and I think not even being at the track like you couldn't see what happened so it was even scarier for us watching on TV not even seeing him not even seeing like how the car stopped or ended we just saw it took a tumble and a flip and into the walls and we didn't even really find out exactly what happened to that car until much later in the day when Obviously, he was reported to be fine and healthy and doing great. They started to release actual video of how that accident ended. And holy crap, freaking terrifying. Thank God that he's okay. That was a very dangerous, dangerous crash. And that halo 
probably saved his life. Oh, not probably. It saved his life. I know a lot of people were upset about the Halo um, when it first came out in 2014 or 15, but it is clearly a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was sliding on what would have been his head. Oh, yeah. And to be launched up, I can't imagine what the fans thought when they saw that car heading towards them. For those of you who didn't see what happened to Guan Yuzhou at the start, unfortunately, Pierre Gasly was coming between, trying to fit into a gap between George Russell on the right and Guan Yuzhou on the left. When Gasly went to go in between them, he was then squeezed by both of them, unfortunately. It was a very small gap, let's be honest, that Pierre Gasly was trying to fit through, but at the start of a race, of course you're gonna... You know, you're going to take any opportunity you get. It was just some back tire contact between George and Pierre that made George just go right into Guan Yuzhou. They also bumped their back tires. That's exactly what happened. And when George got the contact from Pierre, it just threw him right into the, the back tire of Joe, which sent him in the air. And right. Like flipped him over completely onto the halo, which he slid across the gravel trap. Gravel. Yeah. Well, the track into the gravel. Obviously, the gravel is not as smooth as the track surface. So when he came close to the barriers, the car, I don't I don't know exactly how, but hit something and completely leapfrogged, just jumped over the set of what three protect barriers three tire barriers yeah into the fencing right into the fencing now i know on sky sports they were saying thank god they were they were seeing some of the playback footage that we weren't able to see at the moment but the floor of his car is what ended up making the impact into the fence and they were saying thank god that that was where the impact happened and finished and not on his halo because his neck his head would have been taking on a lot of that force if he was flying in that direction so that's probably one of the worst f1 crashes i've seen in a while it's up there with roman grosjean and and joe was apparently stuck in the car for you know five or ten minutes because of the way the car got wedged in between the tires Mm -hmm. and the fencing i I have no idea how they even managed to get him out but they did you know thank god nothing caught on fire like roman's incident but it was scary i've never seen a, a car slide on its top like that that was and we should also mention Alex, who got severely hurt, hurt yeah. enough to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, he was also released from the hospital and seems to be doing okay. But um, there there was four cars involved in that crash at the beginning, right? And yeah. Albon, unfortunately, hit the wall and kind of started slowly drifting back into the track. And that's got to be an awful feeling for a driver because it's just a matter of time. You're a sitting duck in the middle of a track and cars are going 100 miles an hour. Just one of them hit you, and I believe it was Yuki who ended up hitting him um, as he drifted back into the track. And I think that's what caused the amount of Gs that triggered the he has to go to the hospital standard that uh, that I think the FIA put in a few years back. We're happy that he's okay as well. Yeah, absolutely. And big shout out to the marshals and the medical staff yeah, there. Safety car drivers. Yeah, the safety and... car drivers who just attended to all of those. A lot of guys out there, a lot of cars out there, and they, they clean... They cleaned it up and took care of it. But also, I just want to give a shout out to to George Russell. He, when we saw from his dash cam or halo cam, he saw that whole thing play out in front of his eyes from beginning to end. And he immediately responded out of concern, jumped out of that car of his and ran right over to Guan Yuzhou's car and stayed until he knew he was he was going to be okay or be able to get out, which kudos to him. I know he got a penalty for shutting his engine off um, 
I mean, I get it. There's rules in place, but come on. The guy probably it's for thought... for safety reasons. The, the same thing happened to Senna in the 80s. A mm-hmm. car crashed in front of him. I don't remember who it was, but Senna pulled over and got out of his car because the, the other driver's car was on fire. And he got out in the middle of the race and tried to pull the driver out. You know, it's heroic. And, and same thing with George. George wanted to make sure that Joe was okay. And I, I respect him for it. But, you know, there are cars going hundreds of miles an hour you, you you don't want two drivers hurt absolutely and i mean the penalty was for shutting let's be clear the penalty was not that he rushed over to guan yu zhou is for shutting off his engine in his car right. that was the penalty but i think i don't know in my personal mind i'm like come on he literally was running to make sure someone who he knows is still alive and you're gonna penalize him for like reacting to possibly knowing that someone may be in that car dead that he might have possibly or caused i would do the same thing i mean i get it rules are rules but i just find that a little ridiculous i don't know about you yeah you know it is what it is like you said rules are rules so yeah i guess there's no exception they have to enforce the rules that they that they made so but after that obviously it was a red flag everyone went into the pits lots of cars with damage (laughs) that were limping back literally but we had a lot of cars damaged but that red flag in that long period of time in between helped a lot of those teams who would most likely have to DNF because of those injuries they were able to repair. Um, I'm trying to think exactly who it all was. Alex was out of the race, but right. Esteban Ocon had a, a broken wishbone from the accident. Yuki Tsunoda had damage. Uh, he might have had a punctured tire. There, there were, I believe, two or three cars that had, like you said, they limped into the into the pits when the red flag was, was pulled out. And like you said, because of that, that break... The teams were able to work on the car, get them fixed and ready to go. And the other teams were able to, you know, put fresh tires on on a lot of the, the cars that were, you know, sitting there waiting. A lot of medium tires were put on in, in that early stint there to give them a little bit more of an advantage. Right. Definitely help some of those teams out and nurse some of those wounds on the cars and get them ready to get back out. Um, but then we got back out, standing start. Uh, the grid order resumed. Which I didn't like. But Max clearly overtook Carlos around turn one right but but for some reason because they didn't go a certain distance they had to go back to the original starting grid i don't think that's fair because i think it was obvious that max was clearly ahead of carlos by the time that accident happened right i believe the before the accident happens the entire pack of cars needs to clear the pit exit in order for the standings to stay as is yes at a restart I think that's because obviously like there could be an incident right as the red lights go off and some of that back those back markers wouldn't have even moved really far from their spot so I could see why that rule is in place to make sure there's enough distance but yeah so we started so Carlos was back on pole and Max Charles Checo behind them so they started again and man that restart was crazy Charles this is something I have not seen from Charles Leclerc. He is definitely a st- very strategic and calm driver, I would say. He thinks before he acts. He's an elbows-out guy, but he's not an aggressive elbows-out guy like we think of Max Verstappen and stuff like that. He was making moves and being risky, and I feel like that's the first time I've seen Charles Leclerc act like that, especially that early in a race. I felt that his move on Checo on that second restart 
Um, on the I, inside? I on the inside. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that line was there. And the only reason that he was able to make that move was because Checo avoided getting hit. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that Charles probably deserved a, a time penalty for that. Checo also suffered damage from that, which he then had to dive into the pits and was in last place, only to end up on the podium at the end of the race. But yeah. I, I still felt that that move by Charles was a little dicey. I'd expect that from Max. I did not expect that from Charles. I thought it was a little, not not just risky, but almost careless, okay. right? I mean, he, he was basically putting Checo in a spot to say, hey, either you take us both out or I'm getting past you. Yeah, and we don't often see Charles makes those type of moves. No. So uh, while I was watching, I was sitting on the sofa just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> because... It was just move after move. I Part of me wonders after the race was over, I was like, wow, that was awesome to watch. And I kind of liked seeing that aggressive type of attitude from Charles. But is he starting to freak out that he hasn't won a race in a while? He certainly hasn't been on the podium in a while. Is he starting to think, if I don't make some changes now, if I don't get on the podium sooner than later, my chances of winning the championship this year are gone. You know, maybe he's feeling the pressure. Uh, Maybe he just thinks he needs to drive more like Max in order to win the way that Max wins. Max is the most elbows out driver, and I think it's it's hard to argue with that. Charles is a great driver, but he's not a, a cheap driver. And sometimes I think Max can be described that way. But some of the moves that he's been making recently, they're a little bit more risky. And maybe it's because he feels the championship is slipping away, or maybe he just thinks that if that's the way that Max is driving, then I need to behave the same way. I don't think that he is that type of driver. I think he's the more very good defensive driver. He won't let you pass, and he won't do it illegally either. And unfortunately, because Ferrari is just great at screwing him over, he had to defend on... 20 lap old hard tires with people behind him who were on fresh soft tires and as good of a driver as he is and he held those those cars off for a certain amount of time but it was just a matter of time until everyone came flying by him and he lost the podium because of it to your point calling out ferrari on their strategy i we all know ferrari is just king of messing up their own strategy also when they're pretty much handed a setup for a one two or a win they screw it up somehow what are your thoughts on Ferrari's strategy today yeah as soon as as soon as Verstappen it's funny you and I were watching this and as soon as Verstappen had the, the floor issue that caused him severe speed loss we both knew that his race was over and you looked at me and said Ferrari's gonna find a way to screw this up exactly. they, they were one two and they did they They tried as hard as they could to lose that race. Unfortunately, they didn't get their wishes because they still won. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't for Carlos basically denying team orders and after they told him, oh, just drive slowly so that Charles can, you know, have a bigger lead, even though he's on old hard tires after the restart, he said, no, I'm on fresh, soft tires. I have a chance to win this race. And he did. And yeah. it's it's incredible how consistently Ferrari makes bad team choices. It's like they try it. It's I've never seen anything like it in any other sport. 
to me, it almost feels like they're unprepared. Like they only plan for like one or two scenarios to possibly happen during a race. So when things get crazy, like this race very much was, a lot of unexpected things happened in this race. It's like they're scrambling and it takes them too long to make a decision. To your point with strategy, I think the moment where they ruined it for Charles and did ruin it for a one-two for them was when that last safety car came out when Esteban Ocon's car stopped working, it was stuck in second gear. They had around 11 to 12 seconds to make that call for Charles to come into pit and they just didn't make it fast enough. And after they missed that window, that was it. There, there was no way they could bring him back in and still have him out ahead. And that's why I think they kind of went to that plan B with Carlos, with calling him into the pits, putting him on the softs, keeping him in front of Hamilton. It played nicely into Carlos's hands. But again, they're just, I just don't think they're, they like fumble the football all the time. To me, it, it wasn't even a controversial or hard decision to make. You know, sometimes it's easy to look in hindsight at at decisions and, it, you know, it's easy for us to criticize them now. But for me, it was so easy to make that decision. Hamilton was behind them on hard tires and say he didn't pit, mm-hmm. right? And they pitted both of their cars. Right. They would have been 10 seconds behind him on fresh soft tires with 12 laps to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, easily they would have overtaken Hamilton and won the race. Right. We know Charles Leclerc can do it. And Carlos could have done it too. They both could have done it. it. It wasn't even that close of a, you know, it wasn't a fringe decision where, oh, you know, if Hamilton pits, maybe there isn't enough time. No, there would have been way more than enough time. And their analysts should have known that. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't have taken them, shouldn't have taken them 12 seconds to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I mean, Carlos is probably pretty happy about the decision, right? He gets his first win and I'm incredibly happy for him because I love Carlos and I think he's a great driver. But I wonder how he feels knowing that it was Charles's race and, yeah. and they blew it for him. It's, I don't know if that hurts Carlos or if he's just too happy about, you know, I got my first win. I don't really care how it came about. Those things happen in racing. But he got that win because Ferrari made a bad decision. Yeah, it would definitely worry me um, if I was Charles Leclerc, which I sure he is doing the same thing now. He's worrying too. Like, man, I've got the skill. I've got the pace. I have the car right now. I don't have the team. Yeah, I don't have the team. I don't have the strategy. And is that what's going to stop me from winning a championship win? And I think it's completely valid for both Carlos and Charles to be worrying about that, even though obviously Carlos had an amazing week this week, his first pole position, which was very unexpected for him, and then a win for him too. <laughs> we all know this, and how, how many years has this been going on that Ferrari's just been known to screw up their yep, own strategy? Exactly. But I do have to give kudos at the end to Charles Leclerc. What amazing defending at the end of that race. He was on those hard-used tires. Wow, it it was amazing to watch. Those last couple of laps with that battle between him and Perez and then Hamilton swooping in, that was some of the most exciting racing I've seen. It was incredible. Like Hamilton taking that opportunity, finding that space between the two when they were battling it out, you know, jumping in a second. Um, obviously, Checo ended up passing him anyway, but that was just... And it stinks because, like you said, Charles was defending so well. Um, right. Checo had soft tires. He, he, there was no reason he shouldn't have gotten around. But Charles was just doing such a great job of, of fending him off, and it just got to a point where it was just it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter how good of a driver he was; those two were getting by him with the, with that tires, you know, with, with his old tires, with their new tires. It's it's just something that was inevitable. Right. It, it was still incredibly exciting, and the thing that frustrated me the most 
was the picture that came out after the race of, and I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what Mattia and Charles were talking about, but it almost looks like Mattia is scolding Charles. And there is absolutely no reason that Ferrari has to scold Charles. And in fact, it's the complete other way around. Charles has every right to be scolding every single, you know, from the team principal to all the analysts, he should be scolding all of them. Absolutely. Because they have continuously screwed him over mm-hmm. nonstop. And, and like I said, I'm not going to pretend to know what was going on in that conversation, but it looked heated and it looked like Mattia wasn't happy with him. Yeah. And Mattia has no right to be unhappy with Charles. No. And if anything, Mattia's head's on the chopping block by making awful decisions over and over again. Even in the beginning of the race, when we saw Sainz just didn't have the pace, Charles was obviously faster, he was constantly on the radio saying, you guys, you're hurting our own game, our own race here today by having me sit back and see if Carlos can get the pace in a lap or two. Hamilton was just catching up second by second, and Charles was basically trying to tell them what they need to do strategy-wise. It's tough to tell a driver who's in first place to give up his position. I don't think that's reasonable. And I understand Charles's viewpoint that Carlos was slowing him down to the point where Hamilton was catching up. It, it turned out to be, you know, a race between those two. And, and nobody would have thought that Hamilton could have been anywhere near those two cars. But unfortunately, Carlos was driving slow enough to hold Charles up. The only problem with that is, like I said, you, you can't ask the race leader to give up his spot. But they need to figure something out, whether it's undercutting Lewis with Charles or telling Carlos to dive into the pits early, um, splitting up your strategy to give yourself a higher chance of winning. They waited too long. Yeah. Hamilton caught up. And I remember when Hamilton was in the lead, the graphic showing the percent chance of, of overtake, it was a 50-50 shot. Yeah. They ended up getting lucky and, and staying ahead of him, but it, things could have went the other way. Again, it's just bad decision after bad decision. Yeah, I totally agree with you. The Ferrari drivers today, phenomenal, amazing performance. Yeah. The team and strategists on that team, right. not so much. Drivers but- A, team F. <laughs> exactly. Someone who benefited from this fumbled football that Ferrari was holding was Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like I said in our last episode, I really feel like his performance in Canada really boosts his confidence. And being in front of his home crowd and his home country with his family around him, I think he's he was just on fire today. And... I saw, again, the Lewis Hamilton we've known and loved, that fighting spirit of his. Just a great race overall. I don't know how you felt about Lewis's performance today. I'll tell you what, that car looks closer to Ferrari and Red Bull than it did two weeks ago. Mm -hmm, I think it's still a little bit, it still needs a little bit of work. It's not quite at the Red Bull or Ferrari level, but it looked pretty good. It, It was at the point where, you know, he's gaining. He has DRS on these guys where... He should. He wouldn't have at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and like you said, he's he's confident now, and a confident Lewis is dangerous. When his mind and that car are in the same place on the same field, he's he can become invincible. Um, but yeah, we've even saw him in the press conferences saying like, "I'm elated. Like I'm so mm-hmm. happy to see this car become better, this team be better, and they're actually catching up in the constructors' championship." They were. A lot of points away. Now they're only 60 points out of Ferrari. If George hadn't had that accident on turn one, I wonder where he would have ended up. I think he could have ended up, he could have passed Charles at the end. Right. You know, he has the pace. He's had the pace all year. This is obviously the first time he didn't finish in the top five. Mm -hmm. And that's not really his fault. You know, the, the accident kind of 
ruined his race, but Mr. Consistency has been great for that team, and it would have been great to see where he would have ended up had that incident not happened at turn one. Yeah, absolutely, and we know George was starting in eighth, I believe, right? Yes. But we've seen the what he can do in that Mercedes, and there's no mm-hmm. doubt there is definitely a question of if he was still in the race, could have Mercedes brought home more points, and would he have outperformed Lewis Hamilton? We've seen him do it a number of times this year, but I, you know, that is yet to be unanswered, and um, we'll see at another race how they both perform together. But just as a recap, Red Bull is obviously first in the constructors for with 328 points, Ferrari in second with 265, and Mercedes sitting comfortably in third at 204, and then McLaren just right underneath um, Mercedes there, sitting at 73 points. But great results for that team and for Lewis Hamilton. Another driver I think we need to make honorable mention that you kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast Checo Perez yep again going from last place to near the front you know the last time he did that was Bahrain when he won his first ever Grand Prix with Mm -hmm. uh, the pink Mercedes I remember after that crash with or that incident with Charles (laughs) the incident (laughs) but uh you know seeing him in last place I even turned to you and said that ruined Checo's race Mm -hmm. they put him on hard tires and he marched through the field He got very lucky with that safety car. As he was making his way through the field, those tires were starting to die, and he was able to dive in, get softs, and stay in the same spot. That was huge. and That's really what got him to second place. And I think he said in an interview after the race, they they thought fourth or fifth was was possible, and then all of a sudden, the safety car changed everything. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. I, I love Checo. I'm so glad that he finished on the podium. Yeah, I am too. And again, just proving that he is a valuable, valuable yes. asset to Red Bull, um, not just when Verstappen is, you know, racing at his best, but also when Verstappen's out of the game, they can count on Checo to bring home the points. Just phenomenal racing from him in general. The battles at the end there, it was Hamilton, Charles, him and Alonso at some points fighting for one position. And you really got to keep your wits about you when you've got four cars you're battling with. Um, it can get a little messy and a little crazy, but again, just proving he's earned that Red Bull seat and that seat next to Max Verstappen. Yeah, and on the note of Max Verstappen, he had the pace to win by a country mile again today. Yeah. Had, had that incident with his floor not happened, I think he would have ran away with that race. And he's only going to run out of luck so many times. And I think I said to you at the beginning of the season, I, I want to see a Ferrari car win, but I think Max is going to win this year, this championship by a lot of points mm-hmm. because he is ruthless and he has the best car. Yeah. Right. And yes, he's going to have these races where he ruins the floor and, you know, can't keep up with Mick Schumacher. Odds are he's going to find ways to win. And I think what we've seen just how good of a driver he is. And it's just a matter of time until he gets a run of races where he, he just wins and wins and wins. And I think that the Ferraris are, are great cars, but I still think that that Red Bull is just, it's a better machine. When they're able to get out in front and have that clean air, they're able just yeah. to kind of take off. Walk and away. the Ferraris seem to really struggle to stay within that one second um, behind the Red Bulls. But yeah, Max just unlucky with running over some debris on the track, um, hit the floor, and we what was reported was floor damage. And that was why there was a lot less grip for him on the rear of his car, but still amazing performance. He came in seventh, 
obviously not where they wanted him to be, but the fact that he was able to bring that car over the line, he was saying he felt like he was sliding around there like an ice rink, um, but he was able to hold it together and bring home seven. So still in the points, not as many as they would like, but still something. But it makes me curious, what, how big of the damage was on the floor that made him lose that much control of the rear? Because these are ground effect cars, the floors are so important. Just a little bit of damage can cause huge aerodynamic issues. And clearly that's what happened. Like you said, at every corner, we know that Silverstone's a high-speed circuit. You need a lot of downforce to get around, especially Maggots and Beckett's, those S's. Um, it, when you don't have downforce there, you're you're losing so much time. You know, mm-hmm. th- those corners are so important. Yeah, it's nice to have the top speed in a straight line, but you win and lose races in the corners. And Max clearly lost the race because he couldn't corner. It's not an ideal day for Red Bull, but still good points and a great win for Checo. And, and Max still being a savage at the end of the race. He's <laughs> fighting for seventh place with poor Mick Schumacher, who's never scored an F1 point, and he wouldn't give it to him. He wouldn't let him go. With with no grip, he was willing to crash into Mick Schumacher to to not give up seventh place. And right. It's just, he's he's a different animal. Yeah, we were watching that battle at the end, and I know, obviously, we're we're cheering for Haas, and I, I love Mick Schumacher just in general, and we're watching, and we're like, oh my god, no, 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 Mick, be careful, careful, because we know Max, like, it, he was He'll crash el- into you. Yeah. He doesn't care. He was still elbows out against Mick Schumacher for 10th place. 7th. 7th place, sorry, but... It was just amazing to watch. And speaking of Haas, double points for them this weekend. Obviously, the multiple DNFs definitely helped them out and all the chaos that went on during the race. Um, But first points for our boy Mick. It was a great weekend for America. I'll tell you what. <laughs> they It's their first double points in three years. And I, what made me even more happy about that was Seb's reaction to Mick's first points. Oh, He's, so great. He is a father figure to Mick, and it's just amazing to see how much he cares about that kid. It makes me want to cry. We were listening to an interview with Vettel after the race, and he literally, so obviously he was right behind Mick at the end there. So he, was, he had front row seats to what was happening, and he said he was actually like cheering in his car as he's driving, like, go Mick, go. And I just was like, oh, that's such a dad thing. And I, I love that. I love that Mick, obviously we all know Michael Schumacher's not at that track. Um, He can't be. So it, I am loving seeing Sebastian Vettel kind of take that father figure role and that that mentor role with Mick because I'm sure every time something big happens like this for Mick in a race and his dad's not there, it's, it's a big be tough. Yeah, yep. it's a big reminder, and I love that Sebastian Vettel's just kind of stepping up to the plate and filling that role. Obviously, not taking Michael's place, but no. really being there for Mick as a support. But Michael was a, a role model and a and a maybe a father figure to Seb when he first got into Formula One. So you know maybe he just kind of feels he has to pay it back. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's that that's almost as good as Mick scoring the points. It's seeing how happy Seb is for Mick is is just heartwarming. Yeah, it really is. So quickly to wrap things up, two things I feel like worth mentioning. Let's talk about McLaren. Obviously, um, we had Danny Rick finishing in 13th and Lando Norris finishing in 6th in front of his home crowd. Huge gap between these two. Um, I know Danny Rick at the end of the race kind of mentioned it was very similar to what the problems he was having in Barcelona, just not having enough grip as everybody else out there. What We've seen these two all season, Danny struggling. What, what are your thoughts about Danny's performance today? It's tough. Um, I, I'm a big Danny Rick fan, but at some point, 
at some point you have to run out of excuses for why he's not competing with Lando. And Lando, I don't think it's any surprise that Lando's one of the best drivers in Formula One. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's not a secret. But but at some point you have to wonder, is it the car or is it Danny? Yeah. Right? I heard him after the race and he said, for some reason, I just don't seem to have nearly as much grip as the cars around me. But drivers have to be able to adjust and he can't. Right. Clearly, he can't. So, like I said, I, I'm a big Danny Rick fan, and I want, I'm want i rooting for him. I hope he figures it out. But at some point, you have to wonder if it's him losing his touch. Yeah, I agree with you. And there were a lot of things happening today he t- could have taken advantage of. No doubt. Like you said, six DNFs, you have to take advantage of that, right? And right. if you're not going to score points, and two Haases can, you know, how, how can you not get around them in a, in a much superior car? Right. And just for perspective, like I said, Danny finished in 13th. But the last person to actually finish the race was Yuki Sonoda in 14th. So second from last, technically, in the The only reason lineup. that Yuki finished last is because he crashed into his own teammate. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was the other thing I wanted to bring up. What, what happened there? I heard Yuki apologize after the race, and I think he knows that it was stupid. Mm-hmm. And, I, and yeah, I mean, really, you leave it at that. It, it was a mistake from Yuki, and we wouldn't really be analyzing it that much if it wasn't his teammate that he crashed into, but it was. Right. And that's the golden rule. You don't hit your teammate. Especially making a risky move like he did that caused the accident. Yeah. Um, and it caused Pierre Gasly to DNF at the end of the day. And he was rightfully upset. Oh, I yeah. don't blame him at all. They were both in the points. Right. And he made a move that was foolish, risky, and it cost them a double points finish. Part of me wonders, I know we all know Yuki Tsunoda is young. It's only his second year in Formula One. Is AlphaTauri going to look at this incident and just be like another tally against him? Yuki has been much better this year. That that move looked like last year's Yuki. Yeah. He struggled very much last year, and it was his first year. This year, he has been good. That's true. Not great, but he's been good. Better, for sure. Better. But that looked like last year's Yuki. Mm -hmm. That was a mistake that should never have been made. And just to to recap, because there were so many DNFs, we had Esteban Ogon, DNF, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Botas with the gearbox Mm -hmm. issue, George Russell, Guan Yu Zhou, and Alex Albon obviously all do to that crash, those last three at the end. So lots of opportunity for other drivers, but... Some we saw take advantage of it, and some we didn't. Quickly, we we should talk about, I don't understand how Latifi didn't score points. Right. Latifi <laughs> made it to Q3, and good for him. That's fantastic. His first time ever in, you know, in Q3 in a not-so-great car. Mm-hmm. Not only did he make it to Q3, he had a phenomenal start, jumped up to eighth place right away. Three cars crash, so now he's got an even better chance. Right. right? <laughs> and somehow... He, he couldn't stick it in the points. He did hold 10th place for, for quite a bit. I was honestly quite impressed that he even stayed there that long. I, I think he got lucky getting into Q3, but I still think, like we had said, six DNFs, starting P10, the highest he's ever started, he had a great chance, and he didn't score any points. Yeah, you're he's absolutely a, right. He is now the last driver to not score points. Yeah, that's true. Now with that Mick. Mick has his points. Yeah. He finished 12th behind fellow Canadian Lance Stroll yeah. in 11th. But yeah, you're right. He should have capitalized on it and he didn't. So unfortunately, I think just another miss for Nicholas Latifi to prove himself.
This race was so exciting. I, I feel like I need to add in, like, drop in a video clip from our audio from watching, like, the end of the race. It was just so many highs, lows, ups, downs, so fast and so exciting. And it's honestly what we, it's what we love to see. Minus the crash. We don't like to see yes. the crash. But that racing was so amazing. It was excellent. It was up there as one of my favorite races I've ever watched. Yeah, straight up thrilling and we're here for it. Obviously, next race, Austria. That's right, next weekend. Red Bull ring, here we come. Red Bull's going to be uh, the heavy favorites. Yeah, for sure, and Max fans will be out in full force. Oh, we'll see lots of orange smoke. So much orange smoke, it'll, it'll be overwhelming. Let's move on to your favorite segment. The meme podium. People. We have a meme podium this week. Not meme of the week. Meme podium. There were so many good memes. We couldn't yeah. we couldn't choose. So we picked the top three. Matt, take it away. On race weekends, I'm always going to do a meme podium. Go to our Twitter. Check them out. I'm going to tweet them out. But in third place, these are all Ferrari themed because it's just hilarious to me that Ferrari <laughs> always screws everything up. But in third place, the meme is Charles Leclerc on his way to the Ferrari pit wall. And it's the video, I don't know if there's any Family Guy fans out there, when Peter walks towards Meg's boyfriend's house and says, I just want to talk to him. I just want to talk to him. I just want to shoot him. <laughs> and he has a gun in his hand. He's yes. getting like a rifle out of the car. In second place, again, making fun of Ferrari, is a picture of Arthur. I don't know if there's any Arthur fans out there back in the early 90s, the cartoon. It says Carlos listening to team orders, and there's a picture of Arthur with headphones on. But if you look closely, the headphones are not on his ears. They're on the middle of his head. I actually just realized that now I'm looking at it now. Yes. That's hilarious. The joke being, he can't hear anything. <laughs> and then, of course, this is uh, this one's more so just for our American fans, but uh, the number one meme, the gold medal goes to, this is... Uh, Kills Phil's on Formula Dank, and it says American F1 fans today, and it's just the most patriotic picture you've ever seen. <laughs> a patriot with a Haas logo on his chest and the Betsy Ross flag and fireworks. And Is there an eagle? There's oh, of course there's an eagle. Yes, <laughs> there's on. always an eagle flying like in the distance in any American patriotic. There's also a Coca Cola and a hamburger, which is kind of. <laughs> It's not incorrect, you know, but... Sounds about right. Again, these will all be on our Twitter. Go ahead, go to Mr. and Mrs. F1 Pod to check them out. Yeah, check out the memes for our meme podium. Matt will appreciate it. Like, share with your friends. That's right. Give us a like, comment, subscribe, retweet. Exactly. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Mr. and Mrs. F1 Pod. Of course, you can listen to this podcast anywhere. But I think the most important thing you can do with this podcast is share it with your friends. That's right. Share it, subscribe it, leave us a review, a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you all so much for the support. We are, for, is this our fourth episode? Fourth, yep. Fourth episode in, and we've received so much support and love from everyone, and we really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week in see. Austria. Yep, see you next week. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> Bye-bye.